right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Special, special guest. I would say he's a gold and platinum guest, but it is Mike Silver himself, a good friend, uh, joining us here. And he really doesn't need any introduction. Thanks for coming on. Oh, I need plenty of introduction. Just you can talk as long as you want about me before you have me on. That's you know, <laughs> that's called build. That's called build up. Build up. Uh, the 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 number one blocker on Twitter. All sorts of things. Actually, I'll tell you, build up, Mike Silver. Before I met you, and you've always been very kind, and we have some mutual friends. You know how I knew you as like in the locker room. You were really respected by the guys. They're like, oh, that's Mike Silver. Like, you know, I mean, like, uh, that's the one thing that stood out to me. This is well, this is during the point in time that um, I gave a lecture once, Mike, to uh, my fellowship group uh, where I did fellowship. They, they wanted to hear about the media stuff. And the title that they came up with for me to talk about was Crossing Over to the Dark Side, the media side. And, and that's the way doctors viewed it. You guys were the dark side, the 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 enemy, like HIPAA, don't talk to them, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, okay. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. And well, to some extent too, but but you were different. Somehow you were always outside. I mean, that. Look, it was a different era. There was a lot of, uh, you know, there were no cell phone cameras. There was more trust um, at the highest levels on both sides in terms of off the field, and you know, I look, I did a book with Dennis Rodman. I I kind of feel like away from the facility and off the field and late into the night. Um, I had a chance to set myself apart from some of my peers. Uh, I remember one scene vividly. I out one night with a bunch of uh, chargers. I believe it was LT's birthday celebration. And I had had uh, many, many drinks and I was not the only one. And at one point, uh, Latorsha, his lovely wife and I were just getting after it on the dance floor. And I have not, a good dancer at all but i was drunk enough to go for it and you know she was humoring me and lt kind of looked over at one point was in a conversation looked over saw me and was just like silver i mean you know he knew i was harmless but also i was like getting after it with his wife on the dance floor he handled it well uh but yeah i mean look i just uh I, my view it, it was nuanced right like i didn't believe if we're all out together it's like oh i'm not not every little thing is reportable, right? We're, we're trusting that I don't want my excessive drinking, you know, out there either at the time, but um, you know, but they also knew what I did and respected me. And I could go to people that I'd been through those experiences with in a crowded locker room, even years later and say, Hey, what happened on that, you know, weird play in the third quarter when, you know, everyone was out of position, take me through that. And there was a level of trust that, wouldn't otherwise exist. So to me, that was work ethic. Uh, my wife and I had many discussions about this where she's like, you just like to party. And I'm like, don't get mad at me that I had a skill set that lent itself to this job. But to me, it's work ethic. If I'm uh, out late with people or uh, using my immense personal charm to, uh, you know, to connect with them in a way where we can hang out off the field, whether it's going to the dry cleaners or, church in the case of Kurt Warner or the bar um, you know that's a way for me to uh, get better access and better relationships and um, you know and and then you got to write it which is a whole other uh, 
endeavor. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, uh, I always had great charger experiences, uh, really dating to that. Uh, I had just gotten to Sports Illustrated uh, in late November of 94. Uh, the first story I did for them was a cover story on the Steelers who would come into L.A. and thump the Raiders and really announce themselves as the team to beat in the AFC. And then uh, at being the, the new guy at SI, did not cover that Niner Cowboy championship game. I went to Pittsburgh and covered the Chargers-Steeler game. I've never seen a town pre-celebrate quite like that. I mean, Friday and Saturday night in Pittsburgh, it was as though the Steelers had already gone to the Super Bowl and it was just festive and nobody thought the Chargers were really a thing and when they won that game and Dennis Gibson reached his hand over and tipped the ball away you know and Junior had like 96 tackles on the first drive and that incredible game uh, that might be my favorite locker room in history that the ebullience and joy and innocence of that 94 Charger team having done something epic in Pittsburgh that nobody thought they could do. And they just let it all out. The quotes were incredible. Uh, it was so fun. And, you know, sadly, as you know, we've lost so many people from that team. It just sucks. Yeah. Well, you, you were embedded with the Chargers before I was in 94. I was working with the Vikings. I wasn't Ooh. in San Diego yet. And okay. uh, what know. year, what was your first year? Well, my first year in San Diego was 95-6. My first year with the team was 96-7. So I, I missed that Super Bowl with the Chargers, uh, et cetera. I missed that season. But obviously a lot of the same people. And and I can vouch for Mike Silver, your uh, ability to to hang and your, your Cal education has been put to good use. Um, you know, I, I still remember, like, people realize one of the more exclusive parties, honestly, is the – Super Bowl party, you know, after the, for the winning team, like it's like totally credential. I remember, you know, I had some friends, so you know, I get snuck in. But I remember you there, you're there late, and then you wrote like a two thousand word story by the next morning, six a.m. I was impressed. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how we had to roll. I look back at, you know, I wrote more than seventy cover stories for SI and a whole lot of others, and worked there for thirteen years, and. You know, at the time, we felt like we had most of the great sports writers in America, and we were pushing each other and writing at a really high standard and reporting, uh, you know, because our thing came out three days later, and we had to have exclusive stuff in there. And uh, I look back at some of the stories, and I'm like, how? How did I physically do it? How did I, you know, how did I get all that stuff? How did I focus uh, all night? Because we did write all night, and uh you know, extrapolating it to this era where people freak out over little revelatory bits of information. Uh, you know, if I had just gone and tweeted that stuff, you know, and it, like people would be like, what? They, how did they find out? But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm proud of it. It was hard. And uh, now I kind of do it a different way. A lot of different way. You're doing a lot of different uh, things uh, now. Uh, obviously, your NFL prowess, but don't forget about basketball. You, you're all over the Warriors and your buddy Steve Kerr. Now, is you got a Bay Area series, Sacramento and and uh, and the Warriors. You actually live closer to Sacramento, right? I do. I do live closer to Sacramento. I, I did suggest to Steve Kerr, and I'll get to that in a second. That when I saw the matchup that they meet at like Rodriguez High in Fairfield and just play all seven games there, it would be <laughs> you know right right around the midpoint. So, um, so. 
I was born in San Francisco and then grew up in LA, and I like I was like the only Niner fan, Warrior fan, A's fan, like at my school, pretty much. And back then, most of the L, mostly the LA teams owned the Bay Area teams until I was sixteen, and the Niners won the Super Bowl, and I got a lot of crap from my friends. And one of those friends was a big Laker fan, Steve Kerr. Uh, we ended up co-writing a sports column together for our high school paper and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, getting into a lot of different sports things together. But I obviously outlasted him and won that battle because he is now coaching the team that I love. And, uh, you know, he will, uh, when, when I shamelessly go to victory parties and things like that, uh, he knows that I'm, you know, I, I'm, I earned my warrior uh, fan chops back in the day when, uh, you know, it, it was a lot less thriving, but honestly, like I'm super stoked for the city of Sacramento and the Kings and it's been 17 long years. I, you know, I'm going to go to the game Monday game two. I, I can't wait to experience that atmosphere. Um, I wish the two teams were playing other opponents cause I could take joy and hopefully watching each of them win a series or two, but um, you know, I, I, I grew up a Warrior fan. I'm now a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, so I can't really be a fan. But, you know, because Steve Kerr and I are close friends, it's really hard for me not to, you know, want my buddy to do well. So I'm trying to straddle all of that and uh, do journalism uh, in 2023. Uh, but I'm excited to go to, to game two. Yeah, it's a tough job, but you know, I got to say and I know you're you're a big fan of Steve Kerr's obviously as well as a friend, but figuring out the Warriors this year, the punch, all this uh, that's and keeping the team together, that's a Herculean task. Yeah, and and look, they lost um 29 of their first 36 road games. Uh, you know, I Steve and I were not math geniuses in high school uh, when we took classes together, but I don't think I think we would both conclude that's not good. Seven and twenty nine. Uh, you know they they really struggled on on the ball defense, especially having Wiggins and Gary Payton now there should help with that. And they did play better defense, I, I thought, in game one. Um, the the punch was you know really really brutal, and the subsequent uh, video surfacing, and uh, you know giving up on the Wiseman experiment. Uh, you know, there's been kind of a lot of, of stuff. Wiggins being gone, obviously, for the last 10 weeks. But, um, you know, I wrote about this for the Chronicle leading in. To me, the best moments of this nine-year run, and it's, you know, nine years I never thought I'd experience uh, as a Warrior fan, let alone a friend of the coach. Um, my, my favorite moments have all been when they've had to confront crises and Steve's had to problem solve. And, and there've been more of them than is commonly uh, remembered. At least I, I know every one of them starting in 2015 when they were down two one to Memphis in the Western conference semis. And he put Andrew Bogan on Tony Allen and shifted the series. But, you know, sometimes it's just Steph or clay or one of these, you know, transcendent players just, doing something epic and you go, well, you know, that's not necessarily tracing directly to the head coach, but he's also done a lot of strategic things in times of crisis that problem solve. And, and so I, I love that about him. It's really my favorite thing in basketball other 
than seeing him get teed up or better yet ejected. Uh, I, we went to a game uh, in Oakland a few years ago and uh, we were sitting in his seats with his, uh, I think with his wife, Margo and uh, Steve got teed up early and he was not leaving. He was still screaming. He was going to get ejected, but Mike Brown, who at the time was his assistant and now is the Kings coach is a big guy went out and just, got Steve like this so he could pull him back as he's still yelling at the ref and get him back to the bench. And Steve managed to coach the rest of the game. So afterwards we were all hanging out in the little coach's locker room, having a beer. And I saw Mike Brown. I was like, dude, that was the greatest performance. You know, that was incredible. I can't believe that you kept him in the game. And, uh, you know, we had a good laugh, but yeah, I mean, other than seeing my friend lose his mind in public, which, you know, of course I've seen in private plenty of times and it's awesome. Uh, I, I, I love this. So that being down one Oh, I thought they played really well, but then being down one Oh makes it even cooler for me. Uh, you know, as, as that person who really enjoys seeing them fight their way out. Well, to me, that's the most interesting thing about what you do, Mike, and your relationship with people. Uh, because I'm quite sure, not only with the Warriors, but let's say with the Brock Purdy situation or the Trey Lance, you actually know more than what you're, quote, saying a lot of times. And uh, uh, what's the latest on purdy and uh, and or lance i guess and uh, he had this interesting quote right i'm sure you saw it that he's not sure what when he's going to play or something to that effect um and uh, yeah and, and look i've you know you've helped me understand the purdy thing from a medical perspective and so let me take it back so i was a young beat writer covering the 49ers first for the Sacramento union, then the Santa Rosa press Democrat uh, starting in 1989. And in 1991, Joe Montana had an elbow injury. I believe and you'll have to correct me. I believe it was the pronator Terry's tendon that um, on his throwing arm that was torn. Um, he had surgery and ultimately had a second surgery to clean up scar tissue um, he, he missed all of the 1991 season coming up to MVPs and, you know, already probably right up there as the greatest of all time. Um, Steve Young came in, won the passing title, but they had a rough year and didn't make the playoffs. The next year, it was going to be like, well, Joe and Steve. Uh, and uh, Montana was trying to work his way up in training camp to throwing, and it just wasn't right. And ultimately what was happening is, um, and you'll have to help me through this, but the scar tissue was pushing on the ulnar nerve in a way that was numbing, uh, I think, these two fingers, the outside fingers. And so he just couldn't throw it. And I'll never forget when he just kind of pulled up one day in training camp, just stopped throwing, and he walked up the field, and we all chased after him in hot, dusty Rockland, California, kind of suburban Sacramento. And I'll I'll never forget, you know, it was on CNN and everything, and I was at Birkenstocks and, you know, uh, a Huck Finn hat and whatever. And I still led the pack of journalists in Birkenstocks. So I wanted an endorsement deal from Birkenstock. That's back when I had more speed. Um, and so Montana ended up missing the entire 92 season, except they had already clenched everything on the final game of the season. They activated him. And he came back and played the second half of a game again that they won against the Lions. And then he served as the backup in the playoffs. But that was it. He was traded 
to Kansas City. Young was the MVP in 92. He was traded to Kansas City before the 93 season. He came back and had two really, really good years and threw the ball well. But So I, I have PTSD when it comes to quarterbacks and throwing elbows. And I've been saying from the second he heard it, and certainly when I saw the reports of what they said it was, I was like, look, you can take none of this for granted. Hopefully he comes back and is what he was, first of all. And secondly, whenever that is. And so I never really bought right into the six-month thing. But it seems to me that they've gotten what they consider to be good news so far. No, and I think that's that's correct. But in-game, uh, in that championship game at Sports Injury Central, we were tweeting and writing that's his own collateral ligament. And yeah. he wasn't coming back. And I find it interesting how certain press, not you, but certain press have taken the cheese of it's not a Tommy John. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. It it is absolutely the Tommy John <laughs> ligament. Is it the classic Tommy John reconstruction surgery as opposed to a Tommy John repair? Yeah, okay, fine. But and then I at the Super Bowl, we chatted on this. This is uh, there was a reporter that said, "Oh, he's all set to have surgery in another couple of weeks. He's going to meet with the doctor the day before, and he'll be ready for training camp." I mean, that's like declaring you had a successful draft before the draft even happened. Which, declaring you way, had a successful yeah. draft the minute after the draft happens, the minute after surgery happens, a successful surgery is still a stretch. But sure. I was like, you haven't even seen the doctor. And obviously when he saw the doctor, there was delays. And what I've been saying all along is it is not impossible for him to be ready for the start of the season, but it is far from a guarantee. And therefore, John Lynch, who we all love, right? And he's Diego guy. I actually know him fairly well. Smart guy. They're not going to get caught with their pants down again, like, you know, without a quarterback with a Super Bowl team ready to win without right. a quarterback. So they're going to have to have some contingency plans. Right now, Sam Darnold, you know, signed, and obviously Trey Lance is coming along, but we'll see what happens. Well, well we know they reached out to Roethlisberger last year now because Roethlisberger has said that. Um, I am 100% convinced they will at least call Brady again, as they should, by the way, because this is the deal. Until Brock Purdy suffered that injury, their plan was settled. It had originally been, we're going to trade up to three, get Trey Lance and have a rookie quarterback deal and pay everyone around him and make this run. And then Trey Lance hasn't gone as planned. But, you know, they took a guy at 262 the next year, and Brock Purdy did enough in his time to convince Kyle Shanahan, yeah, we can do it with him. And you can't even reopen his, his rookie deal for two more years. It's the cheapest possible deal because it's 262 slot. And so they were good. So whatever happened in that game, it was it. Brock Purdy was the guy, worry about the rest, pay Bosa, go around him. Well, the only thing that could have happened in that game to mess with that plan happened, right? If he had broken his leg, it would have been like, oh, God, we lost. It's going to be a brutal you know, leg rehab, but we know Brock Purdy's the guy. We literally can't be sure now. I think they think it's going to eventually, you know, probably this season come back and he'll be that guy. But, yeah, you have to have contingency plans. And, and Brady always made the most sense to me under that scenario because 
Um, you, yeah, you have to pay him, but it's just one year. Uh, you're not looking at Brady, you know, for a bunch of years. Rogers, you got to think about more years. You're paying him Lamar. You're thinking about many, many years. Um, the the best the best guy to fit in for a short term would be Brady. I don't think Brady's going to say yes, but they'll call. Um, you know, they, they think they can do some things with Darnold. Um, other people have thought that before. Kyle's amazing when it comes to this stuff, but. Um, you know, I, I think maybe there's a little bit too much optimism about, man, they got Sam Darnold. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, Trey Lance has a lot of potential and is a smart, smart guy. So I've kind of always thought there's a way he was raw. He can take a leap, but you know, he was the guy all last off season. Obviously they didn't love what they saw. They ended up hedging and getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. Um, you know, I think it's possible they could develop Trey Lance this offseason and he'll take a leap and he'll start the season and not Sam Darnold and it'll be awesome. But, um, you know, they're not counting on that. And um, and so it may be a situation where they're just trying to get through the first month or two and hope that Purdy can come back and be that guy and then they can rally. You know, I'm surprised. I don't know what your thoughts are that that the 49ers didn't go Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I thought that too. And um, I know on Matt Ryan's side, there was, um, I don't know if Matt Ryan was interested, but I know that the people repping him liked that idea. Um, I, I have not talked to Matt about it. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kyle obviously had that great history with him where they kind of had a choppy first year. And then the year two, he was the MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if you know this, Dave, but they had a 28 to three lead in the third quarter of that Super Bowl. I don't know if you've ever been told that, but <laughs> the, Fal- the Falcons did, in fact, lead that game. But, um, you know, so it made some sense. Um, is Matt Ryan, has he, you know, has he dropped off like every other quarterback not named Brady does at that age? Um, you know, um, also there was a sense of if Matt's here, but really it's, Purdy's team we're waiting on him and we're not even sure because Trey Lance might make the jump is Matt going to be comfortable just kind of being there as a you know maybe a guy who plays but you know might have to be a backup you know I I think they wanted to know the answer to that and probably wanted to hear that from Matt but um, you know for whatever reason they decided that Darnold was was the opportunity they wanted to get after in the short term. Yeah, well, you know, that 28-3, that Super Bowl, I remember everything about it. And uh, we can talk offline, but after that game, that's the only Super Bowl trophy I ever held. Ooh, well, I hope you didn't was, – wasn't that the Super Bowl where Brady's jersey got stolen? So uh, I hope, oh, I hope no, I, I'm sure I was on the film <laughs> walking through hope, the locker room, but I didn't do anything with the jersey. I hope you yes, weren't holding that. Yeah, no. Uh, well, that's cool. Um, no, and, yeah. and, and it's because I've had opportunities to touch other Super Bowl trophies, but I just wouldn't do it. Just, I don't know, because you know, it's just not, you know, uh, just like in my jerseys or whatever in my office, I wouldn't ever buy a jersey and put it in the office. It has to be from an athlete that I've done surgery on or whatever. You know, it's it's an ethical thing for, for me. Um, I want to ask you since you're Jared, so Jared Goff. That's Jared Goff's helmet from when he was at Cal. He gave that to me. So thanks, Jared. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know, that's interesting. So not only with Jimmy G, but with Jared Goff, you know, what we do medically. Um, Jimmy G, we were saying, 
he, the 49ers hiding behind health by not returning him to play from that Achilles, sorry, from that high ankle when they returned George Kittle to play from that cuboid. And sure enough, the three first round draft picks happened. Jared Goff, your buddy, I actually met Jared through you at a, in the Super Bowl in San Francisco. You held something up there just before he was drafted number one. Yeah, I had an event at, uh, at, uh, Henry's uh, yeah, in Berkeley, yeah, yeah. on campus right. there, your school. Thank you for that. But what I was Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc, I was like, Jared Goff, his thumb, book it. He is playing, he is starting that playoff game against Seattle. And 90 minutes before the game, news breaks, he's not the starter. But that and wasn't because of I'm the getting thumb. A that's, lot of that's, grief. You're wrong. You're that's, wrong. You're that's wrong. Cause, that's because of the coach. Not the that wasn't the injury. That was exactly. And you know how we knew that. So I thought about that, and that I actually doubled down. Not only because he came in and played three and a half quarters for John Wolford, but to me, the key was you don't go into a playoff game. You don't go into a regular season game with one and a half quarterbacks. If they weren't sure about Jared Goff's health, you can start Wolford activate Goff, but you have to have Blake Bortles as the other. Blake Bortles was inactive. That told you Jared Goff was healthy. What it told me is if they think of John Wolford as here, if they think of Goff as here, they think of John Wolford as here. Or if they think of Wolford here, they think of Goff here. In other words, not being there for practice was enough to tip the scales to start Wolford, or there was more to it. Bottom no, line is, you it, said he's falling that, out no, of favor, no. and obviously I mean, he got you, traded. You saw what happened after that season. Uh, they Sean McVay was pretty much done with Jared Goff. Uh, and by the way, I'm I'm more on Jared's side on this. I'm just saying there had been a uh, uh, Sean McVay had hit a wall where he's like, I'm done with this guy. Wolford, because Goff hurt the thumb, came in and played that last game of the regular season, which they had to win in Arizona. He threw a pick six on the first play, and then he scrambled around and did a few things, and they won. And Sean was like, sweet. And Jared was very, very upset that he was not starting that game because he fought his way back to get back with the thumb very quickly. Um, he got zero reps. And they, they were in a terrible place. Um, and what he did coming off the bench very early because Jamal Adams – uh, slammed John Wolford into oblivion. I, I thought what he did in playing that game, and you know he wasn't amazing, but he had no reps and a fagged up throwing thumb, and they won that game. Well, Sean McVay was going to then come back and start John Wolford in Green Bay the next week if John Wolford had recovered from. Wow. I believe they call, believe they called it a neck injury. I viewed it more as Jamal okay. Adams tried to separate this yeah. part of his body from the rest of his body and almost succeeded. Um, and by the way, Sean McVay's opinion of John Wolford in that building and on that staff was singularly uh, elevated. The assistant coaches and other players were like, you know, play, play 16 for the most part. Sean just saw something in Wolford that maybe still does that, uh, you know, but but, but all we saw and all I saw is a classic example of hiding behind health. Like it's the thumb, but it really wasn't the thumb. He clearly yeah no no. I, I, and so I began to understand that around that time. Like I knew it had been bad, but uh, and I know Sean and Jared both very very well. And um, you know I'm glad that each of them is has moved on to a place that he is enjoying more 
than how it ended there. But uh, yeah, I, I started to understand uh, in that right around that same time, like, oh, this is bad, bad, bad. And and you just said something to tie back to Purdy that to me is very interesting. As much as you worry about Purdy's elbow and what it's going to be, Purdy's a young quarterback. You just said Jared Goff without any reps that week, whatever. Purdy's still a young quarterback. He's not going to get off-season reps. Okay, he's with the team in, in OTAs, but he's not throwing the ball. He's not getting the reps. That could stunt a development. Okay, but development th- three words. Kyle saw enough. Kyle saw enough. Kyle's convinced. We can all talk. I don't know how good Brock Purdy is. He was – and I think a lot of fans need to constantly do this because the draft is so overvalued relative to its actual impact on football and life because people get so worked up about it that along with that, it's hard for them to shake draft pedigree. Um, and so it takes something epic to do it Tom Brady okay people finally stopped thinking of him as 199 but like it's it's just a tendency to think of Trey Lance three ones number three it's like but Trey Lance and then you're like Brock Purdy 262 and so yeah 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 yeah, but it's like oh god Brock Purdy's not really that good I haven't seen enough well maybe you haven't I'm just telling you it's Kyle's offense he does this I'm telling you, Kyle saw enough. He's convinced. So Kyle could be wrong, but I'm just saying it doesn't really matter who we think is good. It matters who Kyle thinks is good. No, no, I'm just good. saying – I'm not saying – No, I don't, I don't mean you. I mean, I'm just saying – I mean, I mean how do you, you know, fans. It's, it's yeah. another bur- hurdle for, for Purdy, a young quarterback, not to have reps. All right, I know yeah. we're going over time here. I, I want to ask you about the owners. Okay, so the, the commanders are selling. Arizona's getting grief. Tell me your thoughts about that NFLPA survey and how they, re- what happened there, and you know, and, you know, not only facilities but training staffs, this, that, the other. I, I don't know that that's been talked about enough, and, to, and I wanted your insider's opinion on some of that stuff. Well, I'm glad they did it because, you know, uh, it first of all it affected change. The Cardinals were shamed into some immediate changes. I don't think they're going to start. I don't think they're going to keep charging for meals in the offseason or whatever crap they were doing. But yeah, the more of that, the better. Um, you know, there's so much invested in these players. You've seen the incredible physical toll it takes on them, and that's lifelong and ruinous in many ways. Um, and yeah, they get paid a lot, but. Uh, you know, I, I started out covering Eddie DeBartolo and the Niners, and his attitude was anything I can do to make their realities any better or easier so that they can play hard for my benefit and my pleasure, um, I'm going to do. And most, many, many owners don't think that way. And so, um, yeah, I want every training room to be better, and I want ridiculousness, like we're going to make them pay for their off-season meals in our <laughs> team cafeteria. Like, come on, man. I mean, I once reported back in the uh, – it was after Eddie DiBartolo, and it was in the John York, Denise DiBartolo York uh, active ownership era of the Niners that I I believe a player – I, I got to look up the player. It might have been Michael Robinson. Some player 
signed and he got a signing bonus. It was, you know, let's say it was $75,000, nothing major. And back then it was before direct deposit and they were mailing checks. Um, they FedExed him his check for the $75,000 signing bonus. And the check was for like $74,971 and five cents. And they deducted the FedEx fee. So, um, you know, I think when I reported that it wasn't a proud day for the 49ers. And I think, uh, the more of that, the better. So good for the PA for asking and good for them for putting it out there. And Look, I did owner rankings for years and years on SI.com and Yahoo.com, YahooSports.com before they hired me, possibly because my rankings were so brutal that they just wanted them to stop. And they were like, fine, we'll just pay you. And then I worked for NFL Network for eight years. Uh, now I don't work for them. So maybe I'll bring back those rankings. But uh, I was pretty brutal and learned a lot. And um you know, I didn't spare these billionaires' feelings. And, um, you know, I think to borrow a word uh, from the late great uh, man whose jersey is behind you and is a friend of both of ours, as Junior would have put it, they got pretty, some owners got pretty moist over uh, some of the things I put in there. And, uh, and my attitude was good. No, I think it's, I think it's good to be held accountable. The only thing I saw about the survey and just related to training rooms and whatever, I wish they would have been a little more transparent about the whole thing. It, it, it seemed a little bit Yelp like, I mean, okay, let's say the chiefs, for example. Oh, it's totally Yelp. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't argue that the chiefs did a great job with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And obviously you probably had a, a practice squad or other guy who complained and that's not good. Maybe, you want maybe, everyone to be maybe, treated the maybe same. Rick's I get got, it, but maybe Rick's got bad bedside manner. I don't know. Probably not. But I'm just saying, I hear you. But it, it's Yelp like if Yelp were only accessible to the humans who, you know, are in the industry, and like it, it's Yelp like if the employees are allowed to rate their restaurant facilities. So I. I if it were if it were fans weighing in on like oh I hate the Chiefs Stadium you know I'd be like yeah God stop it it's another Twitter but I mean for better or worse they pulled the players I mean they asked their constituents so it may not be fair it may it may be more nuanced but it is you know la gente well, I think it was great because they pulled the players. Uh, the only reason I compared it to Yelp is that the tendency, and they pulled all the players, but it seems like the newsworthy negativity got pushed to the top and the positive comments got pushed to the bottom. And that may have been their point. And, and it well, made but, more news. But, but see, I, 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 whatever got pushed in terms of affecting change, I viewed it like if you're the Minnesota Vikings, that should be a recruiting tool, both covertly or just both. It, it, intangibly like oh wow i'm thinking about joining an organization oh yeah i remember the vikings got written up for having this great facility but like if i'm the minnesota vikings and i'm trying to recruit a free agent i'm like hey i i know you've heard about our trading facility i can't wait to show it to you by the way here's a link here's what the players said about it i think it could be like a you know, I think everybody needs to step up their game and try to use it as a positive recruiting tool. It's like the equivalent of, you know, what Phil Knight did at Oregon 
with the locker room, right? I mean, you know, make it well, cool. I mean, I learned a lot from the survey too. Like I was surprised that New England with their own playing got rated low with travel and everything, you know. I'm not surprised that anyone who is in that building would, you know, express any form of misery. I've heard stories, you know, I've heard, hey, they've got everything you'd ever want there to help you as a player, rehab, all that. And people just can't wait to get out of the building. But that's just because of the tone being set by the man in charge. It's just miserable. Now, he's a great coach, and they've won an incredible amount. And having Tom Brady sure helps all of that. But, like, I'm, you know, if you think that's a great vibe, like, yeah, man, they love it. They love coming into work and doing what's great. Can't wait to get there. Do your job. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of them would say it was worth it. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for all this time. Uh, great chatting. We got to chat more. And uh, I'll call you offline a few other things that we can chat about. I appreciate you. Anything else that you want to tell everyone that you're up to now? You're up to so many different things. Oh, I have a lot going on. I'm a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle and for Valley Sports. I have a podcast on the volume, Open Mic, that everybody should try to check out every time we drop a new episode. And uh, I have a media company, Backstage Media, which has an incredible amount of exciting stuff uh, soon to be announced and I'm doing a book that will also be announced soon so life is good um, just grinding just hustling and thanks for having me all right thank you the great Mike Silver thanks and uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with the rest of the pro football doc sports injury central podcast all right part two of the sports injury central pro football doc podcast it was great to have Mike Silver on those watching on YouTube yeah I'm wearing something different in a different background we actually recorded that yesterday with Mike Silver on a Sunday uh, so we did get in the Brock Purdy news already, but we didn't get in on the slew of basketball injury news that we have this morning after yesterday's thing. Jacob's here and uh, Taylor as well. Uh, let's roll into part two. I think that's why when you, when you ask me, normally I don't do a lot of podcast prep. You guys do more than I do. You're a roll with the flow kind of guy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm just not a professional interviewer, but I know Mike's over. It's just a conversation. It's really pretty. You guys are just swapping stories. You know, uh, yeah, he had a lot of great stories. Yeah. I like the, the LT one, dancing with LT's wife on the dance floor. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, I could envision that. And uh, I was going to get specific and ask him, was this at Confidential? I've been there the day with LT and, and what have you. But, you know, I used to ask, where's Confidential? It's Confidential. <laughs> um, who's on first? Um Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Silver was good, and uh, yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting guy. I like I like Mike. I've gotten uh, he's to been know everywhere. him. He's awesome. He's yeah. doing a lot of stuff. So I've gotten to know him pretty well over the years as kind of just a friend uh, and uh, randomly. But uh, yeah, it's uh, good on him. He's done a lot of different things in life. Always good to have him on. All right, Jacob, where are we going for this part? Yeah, NBA. You have a video that you made last night on uh, all the. Top injuries affecting the playoffs, Giannis, John Morant, uh, AD obviously came back in, but um, Stinger might be a little bit concerned for occurrence. Uh, Tyler Hero out with the wrist. Jalen Brown had his cut open up. It's like 
There's there's a ton for well, round was this, one. Was this an NFL Sunday or an NBA Sunday? <laughs> What's going for on? There? Jeez, I don't know. But it, I was it, trying to be. I was at this uh, first communion party for one of the littles friends mm-hmm. uh kind of thing Can't you guys are texting it, yeah. me and i'm like yeah the game was on but i yeah. couldn't hear or, or see anything um yeah we made a video last night um people can check that out actually go to youtube the the uh, sports injury central youtube channel and subscribe and you'll get the notifications for all that stuff but and uh well let's start with Giannis. On Takumpo. That was good. That we, was gotta, solid. we gotta retrain Taylor and you because Taylor trained you on the G. Look, I got I'm the, I'm the worst. <laughs> okay. You can listen For, to first of all, yeah. I mean, if I watch basketball, it's on mute. Okay. Yeah. So I don't hear his name. Yeah, I kind of knew it was Giannis, but first of all, yeah, I got so much grief. You gotta know how to say his name. It's like I got Antakupo, right? Yeah, uh, can I get some credit there? Yeah. <laughs> and and let me tell you, I thought about why I said Giannis instead of Giannis first of all this guy right yeah. here says it all <laughs> yeah, the time all the time <laughs> and hey, second of all this, <laughs> this is going to be my thing but my littlest one's bestie is named Gianna uh, and I call her yeah. Gianna all the Way time is it, yeah so Gianna Gianna I mean okay no excuse Giannis but look <laughs> if I could if I got so mad every time somebody spelled my name or pronounced my name four-letter name wrong, I'm no, just joking. It's all good. Giannis, Giannis. I have to start thinking Yanni. Yeah. You guys, do you guys even Yanni. know who Yanni is? Yanni Peralta. Yanni who? Yeah. Yanni the easily easy listening, mellow elevator music music musician. You lost wow. me in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta think Yanni. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. Well, here's the good news. Look, you, you don't listen to me for how I pronounce names and the other stuff. But for medical analysis, that looked like a bad fall. And everybody was like, whatever. Look, I'm not calling Giannis soft at all. He's proven he's tough. But he was more likely to return to the game. He didn't than to miss the next week in the next game in three days. Right. And now this morning, Shams has now said he's, I don't know. Optimism for game twos. Yeah. The flowers. It looks like they're blooming it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, look, spasm. Got him. That was a bad fall. That's usually hurt and spasm, not injured. It's not a nerve. It's not that nothing's broken. And our preliminary six score in him was already is already 86, but depending on what happens, we might move him up into the 90s. We're just saying he's going to play. Uh, we're that sure he's going to play. Um, of course, what adds to it is they got beat at home. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. Game a little one, added so pressure to play. Little, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't need the added pressure to play. But, um, yeah, I, I remain very optimistic that Giannis will play and be fine. Uh, with his play style, if that pops up middle of the game, is there anything to be done, or is it just kind of play through, sit him a little bit? Well, I think you're going to see him. You know, he might go to the locker room. We get stretched, heat pack on the sidelines, mm-hmm. the the hallway exercise bike, right. you know, that kind of stuff. But I expect him to be good to go. Uh, and that was in game when he was ruled out. I was right. Like, I think he's going to make it the next game. So hopefully Shams' reporting is correct, so then that will make us correct. But right. uh, that's what I always say. 
we didn't beat Shams to the news. Shams is one of the top basketball reporters. Right. But we don't report. We do injury analysis. Our analysis was that we felt that he would play. There's no source that says that. It's just the analysis. So you could argue that we didn't beat him at all. He beat us in the reporting. We're not reporting a thing. But we beat him in the information based on analysis, and that's almost unfair. Let's hope. The other one, John Morant, everyone's pessimistic right now. Uh, you know, downtrodden, the whole deal. His, his comments to... after the game seemed like his, he just said it's one thing after another. He's dealt with a lot this season. Well, I don't want to hear yeah. about that, whatever. But, like, <laughs> wow. the, but the balling socks thing is what also people got out. He couldn't even unball his own socks. He threw the ball socks to a staffer so he could do that. So he was obviously in a decent amount of pain and downtrodden. <laughs> it's not exactly like smashing a Gatorade thing with the bat or anything from frustration. <laughs> but I get the frustration hand. from the timing. It was the last four minutes, and he's just sitting there with his hand wrapped, not able to come back in. So people don't think he's coming back for game two well the timing is one thing the video is another the video looks bad right but as we talked before the results there's no fracture there it just looks bad his fingers and then wrists are twisted and um what do you think happens when you ice your hand down does it get looser or more stiff? No, it feels yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> are, are, are you surprised that he couldn't unball a sock? I don't no. think he's yeah. faking his injury. No. Right. He was hurt. It I hurts. just don't think he's injured. Right. I think he was just, hurt. Especially three-day rest. They play Wednesday. Three-day rest. Also down 0-1, too, just like yeah. who? At uh, home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people in this world that, in the end, no matter how bad you're hurting, you have to unball your own sock because there's nobody there to do it for you. <laughs> true. Okay. And yeah. I'm not calling him bad or lazy. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, there's people there, so right. whatever. And and I get why he'd be disappointed. He cares about winning, I would assume, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, and his team lost the home game. I mean, I get it. But I think I still think he's going to make the bounce back and play. I think the other shoe we haven't heard about is any ligament damage in the fingers. I think looking at the video you said oh if there's ligament damage it would affect his shooting which is not exactly what he's known he already for, had him so. buddy taped already before the game it wasn't didn't look like he, he, affected, he hit right? a couple threes like yeah, yeah he's well look uh, this is why our preliminary six score and, and i think we've heard some feedback that it's high but we have 85 the, yeah the six score is for this next game we're anticipating yeah. 85 right now which means he's playing and reasonably effective uh, the type of player he is and whatever. And we'll adjust that as more news comes. We're not stuck on that. But the early going is we expect Ja to rant to play. And I know old takes exposed, bookmark this. You're going to be wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. But that's what the analysis part of our, would, part of our would, thing, right? yeah, would we gotta... say. I mean, that's what it looks like. This is what all we're going to say is what it looks like right now. From afar, no insider sources, et cetera. Anthony Davis returned to play. Stinger reportedly. The only worry there is it can happen again. He played better in the second half than the first. Yeah, it can happen again. 12, I believe. Yeah. That's the only worry. And um Tyler Hero is the last one. Tyler Hero, everyone's written him off for the season. I haven't written him off for the season as long as the Heat stay alive. They're gonna have to stay alive. That's gonna be the hardest part a couple rounds, yeah, right? Yeah. 
you guys are telling me the first round is like two weeks yeah. long. Yep, everything stretched out. Four to six weeks is the timeline. I expect him to have a broken metacarpal. If he has surgery on it, I think he can play in four weeks. Four weeks might be the conference finals. But the yeah, he'd have to get there. Is there a the, chance he doesn't have surgery? He can let it heal for the, or he should it's have possible. surgery. Okay, it's possible. Okay, it's possible he doesn't have surgery. But I'm saying, even if it's a bad one and he has surgery, mm-hmm. I wouldn't rule him out for these playoffs. But of course, the Heat might be ruled out before or, he's ready. Right. Yeah. The last one quickly is the Jalen Brown cut on his right hand from the the broken base. Glass face Can or whatever I actually it was. explain what happened? So he said it was dark in his house and he was uh, watering the plants or something and he dropped it and then he, the vase and he picked up the vase and he didn't realize it was cracked and that's how the cut happened. Okay. Interesting. He's an <laughs> avid gardener at midnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you this. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know about you guys. Watering the vase. First of all, yeah. first of all, <laughs> or the plant in the vase. Okay. Yeah. Plant in the vase. Yeah, yeah. First of all, do plants go in vases? No, cut flowers, flowers do. Yeah, cut vases. flowers. Go. It may be terminology. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. So, second of all, let's say assume it was a plant. I'll admit this. I don't know how many plants do we have in our house. I'm not sure. I can tell you I haven't watered a single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you guys watered a plant in your house? I have three um, in my house, and I made sure that they're not needing water because I won't forget. And we're not pl- professional athletes <laughs> in the playoffs, so <laughs> water. Interesting at time. Plant. To do First of all, water to plant. Strike one. I have. <laughs> I agree with that. Plant. That's a good strike. Yep. Watering a plant at night. Two. Yeah. Yep. Strike two. Yep. Plant in a vase. Two and a half, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, I suppose. I'm stuck on picking up glass in the dark. Like that's an odd. I. That's like sticking your hand in a, you know, when you're doing dishes, like if there's a knife in there, you're going to get cut probably, right? And, and why would the cut be so deep that it would open up? Yeah, he had five stitches in it and got them removed the Friday before the game. And then they it opened up in the first quarter. He came back and had a, had a hell of a game after that. But... His hand was to plant. I'm just saying there's some question marks. Yeah, I'm not yes, yeah. impugning anything on this and whatever. And So the stitches were taken, uh, taken out right um, a couple days before the game. And then during the game one, he left prematurely to uh, – it was leaking a little bit. And that's something that was probably expected. He just got a redressing and came back in. Yeah, I mean, obviously this, this is a deep cut, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean – It was in the webbing, right? The, in, now, I yeah, will the, admit that I've picked up broken glass before with my hands. In the light. <laughs> But in the light, yeah. yeah, and I don't think I ever squeezed hard enough to get a deep cut, right? Right, because right. I mean, you, you knew, know, you you knew it was broken glass, <laughs> you know. Yeah, picked it up like basically using my fingers like chopsticks, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not. not I very feel like I've, I've dropped like a glass bowl at night because I'm getting like like my midnight cereal, and I feel like I've turned the light on to clean the mess up. Maybe yeah. he wasn't trying to wake anyone else up yeah. in the house. No, that that's that's a good one. That doesn't hold water. It's not a one bedroom. It's a good one. It's a whole <laughs> I don't know where he lives, but he doesn't live in a one bedroom. Yeah, he I guarantee does not, you, no. he's not in a studio where someone's gonna. Uh, anyways, yep. right, non-issue play wise, though. I think he, he played well. Fun. Yeah, the first game. Let's, let's throw another one at you, detective, uh, doctor, detective, whatever you are. Uh, like like last week's podcast, we're being Quincy. Yeah. We talked yeah. about with, yep. with Cousin Sal when he and uh, Bill S- Simmons called me Quincy. I mean. We've already lost everyone under 40, so it's all right. Wow. <laughs> not listening out to Quincy. He said it. <laughs> 40 might be a stretch, too. Uh, it's interesting. It's coming up. 
it obviously because CSI. How about that? There you go. There you go. It's still on. <laughs> it's gone like twenty years, but it's still on. Uh, oh right, he just got jabbed. <laughs> he he again, so. a slight jab. I didn't even need to do that one. <laughs> I don't know any TV shows nobody, that are on. Nobody now. knows how to stream CSI. It's on. You watch Succession, right? You know, I just started again. We watched it a bunch, my wife and I. And honestly, I think season three got away from us and we just stopped. They just did a new four. And yeah. now that everyone's yeah. talking about season four, so I was ready for season catch up four. Three. And now I anyway, says catch up three. And I don't know. I fell asleep in the first episode. Of <laughs> There's something three. pretty momental, stick with mo- it. like big happened in the new season. That's why everybody is like, if they lost you on three, they want you to jump back four because there's. No, know. but I mean, I mean, the the f- half hour, 40 minutes I saw was, you know, and you're going to be the leader. No, you're going to be, yeah. the leader. No, and you're going to be like, I was just, can swallows, we just pick a yep. leader already? <laughs> Let's move on. I don't know. No, for sure. I'll try and stick with it. Succession. <laughs> yes. Uh, so something that came up recently last week, making the news in the NFL, um, OBJ at his Baltimore Ravens press conference was talking at length about how he played with the Rams without an ACL, which is actually something he tweeted July, 2022, uh, that he played the second half of the season with no ACL, uh, that he learned about it. But basically his full quote is he learned week nine, uh, Dr. Neil Elitrash came to him and said, Hey, not sure if you're aware, but you don't have an ACL. We can do surgery right now if you want. And then OBJ is saying, I just said, I'll play the rest of the season. I'll fall on the sword type stuff. So I want to, I want to get your, your take on that doc. Obviously there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of unknowns. I mean, we don't, we don't. Well, first of all, we need to get him on. We need to get him on and explain some of that. OBJ Odell. I texted you. Call me. Come on and explain. <laughs> oh, he's ignoring <laughs> he you. He didn't now. answer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm he's just got having a lot fun. going on. He's I'm just having more. fun. <laughs> now that he's with the team, he probably has to go through team PR and right. everything. So mm-hmm. it probably isn't going to happen. But all we do is give him a chance to clarify what it is. And I'd ask him medically what it is. And, and by the way, I do believe he's going to do very well. I too thought by the numbers, he got overpaid. And you guys educated me. All the people were getting money around him, and I said he's probably getting paid the right amount. Yeah, right. Because I expect him to be very effective with all this time coming back from his ACL. So I'm behind you, uh, Odell. I think you're going to have a good year. I think the Ravens got to figure out who's going to throw him the ball, but I think the Ravens have a reasonable deal. I don't think they overpaid him. Do you think think Jalen Hurts' new deal today? snowballs his or is that not something that usually happens is that like i don't know how that works in the room like gm sees another deal from the same position how does no, that's that a good point him? well one of the reasons why every deal has to be the biggest and the highest is agent driven right they have to spin it so this is the highest so they you know they did something yeah now the early deal and we'll come back to odell in a second mm-hmm. the early deal on Jalen hurts that i saw is you got a good number he's quote the highest only 100 or 110 million of it or whatever it was was guaranteed only i right. mean that's plenty of money right <laughs> well everyone's the sean watson right the 180 plus or whatever but yeah. it's not a fully guaranteed deal right yeah um, and that's so, what lamar wants that's what's holding up negotiations reportedly so but then again there isn't the agent involved in some of the ego but maybe that's worse i i, I don't know i don't know what's holding that deal up yeah um you know i a lot of times, the rubber has to meet the road. And right now, there's no defining, like, 
you know, uh, things happen at deadlines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no deadline pressure. There's no real deadline pressure right, here. Exactly. Look, the Aaron Rodgers, I talked about it with a friend, and now media is on it. The deadline for the uh, Aaron Rodgers trade, Jets and Packers, is during the draft. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because once Before you trade away, yeah. <laughs> once you pick your draft picks, set, you can't yeah. trade them away yeah. anymore. Then then it becomes more protracted game of chicken. Right. But the, the deadline is the draft or maybe even during the draft, depending right. on how the draft works out. And those draft deals are are uh, are uh, worked out uh you know ahead of time. Um something else came up. What did uh, Eli was on Pat McAfee mm-hmm. this last yeah, week. Yeah, talking about, I think, week and a half ago, maybe. Week and a half ago. And you guys might remember exactly what he said about he wasn't sure and what happened. and uh, Oh, inside the draft room. Or, yeah, yeah, inside yeah, the draft yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when it was, just years ago. We talked about it on a podcast here. I was lucky enough to be in that draft room when Eli was drafted. First of all, there aren't a lot of people in the draft room. There's a Big boy table. You always say you're at the kids' table. I'm at the kids' <laughs> yeah, table. That's that. where I was. I was <laughs> yeah. like, like here in this room, we have this big conference room. I was in the room in the corner with, you know, yeah. high uh, seat, the, high seas and stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I was at the kids' table. Right, I wasn't right. at the main table. I mean, I could see all the names on the boards from afar, but I didn't dare walk by the draft board and and like <laughs> actually yeah. see <laughs> every little it, specific uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Uh, but look. The OC isn't in the room. The DC isn't in the room. So there's not a lot of people in the room. There are no scouts in the room. I mean, so it's an exclusive room, but there's no question I was at the kids' table. But what I observed clearly is, I mean, there was a discussion about, you know, the Raiders pick second. So if you don't pick Eli, you're giving Eli to the Raiders potentially. Or, but also, uh, who was the big line? Ah, I forget. Uh, I'm blanking on his name now. I knew it the... A uh, huge offensive lineman, can't miss player Robert Gallery. Oh, I'll say the real the Raiders guy. Yeah, horrible. Sorry, Robert Gallery. <laughs> he was the other one. Like, yep. well, should we just take Robert Gallery? And but if we take a quarterback, we're going to give Robert Gallery to the Raiders. And obviously, Robert Gallery didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. But here's what I remember: we took Eli, and I know there was a little discussion about Gallery and Raiders, but we took Eli. That was it. Eli had the, you know, funny face on stage, the whole yep. deal. The room was very quiet and tense. And when the Giants were up at number four, when they picked Philip Rivers, there was a fist pump and cheer in the room. And immediately after Philip Rivers was chosen by the Giants, A.J. Smith's phone rang in front of him. He picked it up, and then he actually said, he actually stepped out of the room to, to take the call. So the deal was worked out. It was a game of chicken, in my impression. Look, this is what we want for him. We know you want Rivers. We, we know you guys want Eli. This is what we want to have happen. The deal wasn't consummated. I think it was a game of chicken. Maybe the Giants are saying maybe the Chargers will blink and take Phillip with the first pick, and we don't need to trade a thing, right? and we'll get Eli. But – we, AJ Smith, stuck to his guns, took Eli, didn't blink, but I think they knew that the Giants didn't really want Rivers. 
So the second Rivers was chosen, they were like, yes, this deal is going to be done. But the parameters were worked out. Yeah. Uh, but I think that happens a lot. The parameters are worked out. Or what you don't just jump into you. it right there. You only have a limited time, so they have to have some. Kind yeah. Of so I think that's what's going to happen with the with the Jets and the and the Packers. Right. Why didn't he want to play for the Chargers, Eli? I don't. I may miss him something. Well, what at the time it? we were terrible. Uh-huh. We were small market. Dad was saying yeah. he didn't want to come. I mean, right. I mean, look, how did we get the top pick in the? draft because we were terrible (laughs) that's how the raiders are right by there yeah i mean (laughs) that's how we got the top pick in the draft you know i mean um yeah i mean i don't remember that was 2004 i'm looking at right now yep 2019 i think we were one in 15 i think or so i don't know we we had some bad years in there Mm -hmm. uh no was it 2004? Is the 2004 draft? draft is what we're talking about. Yeah. Is the dra- yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is it. Yeah, and actually, 2004 is the first year we actually got good, first AFC West title wow. in 2004 with Drew Brees. Yep, with Philip on the bench, and that's a whole other story. We're going. We can go back <laughs> over that. Anyways, um, back to Odell Beckham. Okay, here's my thought, and this is no inside information. <clears throat> I am not calling OBJ a liar. It's all in the interpretation. Very hard to play wide receiver without an ACL at all. Look, Phillip Rivers played in that AFC Championship game literally without an ACL, but it's Phillip Rivers. He's a quarterback, a pocket guy, not exactly mobile. The ACL, I always say, is an internal seatbelt. So that when you slam on the brakes or get into an accident, you go your knee doesn't go through the windshield. Philip Rivers wasn't going to be driving high speed or cutting. <laughs> or, he's not racing NASCAR yeah. or IndyCar. Odell Beckham potentially is. Is it possible that he played completely without an ACL at all? That'd be pretty risky and pretty ballsy for the Rams team physician to pass him on his physical and then potentially take the liability. Right. People say it was ballsy of me to allow Philip to do it, but Philip had a brace on Odell Beckham. Didn't have a brace on right. when he played. And then he quote retort or his knee gave out in the Super Bowl. What I think happened is he was notified his ACL really wasn't fully doing its job. The seatbelt was frayed. Wasn't that strong. So it wasn't there in full, right? But something. But it was, was there. there. Yeah, it wasn't just. Is my guess. Yeah, best guess. Fully helping. Yeah. And Ian Rappaport referred to it a little bit. Something wasn't fully right. And the interesting thing is, the first surgery was done per Ian Rappaport by Andrews. Yeah. Right. He yeah. talked about a Pat McAfee show, mm-hmm. and then the Rams doctor gets they kind of battle on second opinions, and yeah. it was interesting. He said, "Well, that." That ACL wasn't good, right? Yeah, usually that doesn't happen in public. No, that was <laughs> that was interesting, interesting the way that happened. It. Yeah, yeah, and and I still remember. I think it was on Pat McAfee that rap rap sheet. Pat asked him, and he named Andrews as the original yeah. surgeon. Yeah, and they even talked about it on the show. Did something go wrong, or what happened? And it's always good stuff, right? When they have surgery, so that's why when you saw that, you're like, "Why are they talking? It's not ever like that." You know? <laughs> yeah, but in any case, yeah. That's what I think happened. He had a graft that wasn't taking, wasn't as strong as it could be, should be, had signal on the MRI, maybe some early increased laxity, but you couldn't tell me that his knee was 
right loose 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 completely with nothing there just the seatbelt wasn't fully there it was, there's no uh, uh there's no shoulder strap just a lap i right. love in the no, seatbelt no. thing it's like so easy <laughs> it makes it's sense. so easy to <laughs> that's Either way, he has an ACL now, right? He's yes, coming the season and, with an ACL. Yeah, and and, think, now, yeah. and he's going to have like a year and a half yeah. from the Jan- surgery. January 21. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. February, even February. February, yeah. February excuse me. Yeah, so yeah. I think he's going to do well. Right. And so I hope uh, – I'm thinking it's going to be like 875. You go over that? It's going to be like 858.75. Depends on who he's throwing on the ball. Yeah, I, it depends I, I, on a lot. I hope they post it at 600. <laughs> oh, I'll do that now. I'll do that now. 600. No, I just think it's going to be, you know, once Lamar, I think it will, yeah, because they're not going to post it until now. No, I have some yeah. optimism there for yeah. Odell Beckham. So, yeah. uh, uh, Odell, still love you. Text me back. Just kidding. You're fine. <laughs> just want to mention real quick uh, quick Google search of players who played without an ACL Joe Namath, John Elway, and Heinz Ward. Joe Namath, you, you're, you're a Joe Namath. Yeah. Look, we didn't really reconstruct ACLs yeah. back. It was <laughs> yeah. before the MRI era, right? Everything was a knee sprain. It was yeah. called a trick knee. There's actually <laughs> some bracing that was invented around Joe Namath that was yeah, early ACL things. bracing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, yeah, he played without an ACL because even when he had surgery on it, we didn't rebuild his ACL yeah. back in that day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. so different. I think that was the case with Elway too, right? They said he tore his in, in high school and yeah, that wasn't it was really on. It yeah. wasn't really a. ACL reconstruction back then, 1978 or something, late 70s. There are some sports that you can play without an ACL. Hockey is known as one because yeah. it's a bent knee, crouch gate sport. So it's a running, jumping, cutting sports with your knee near extension. Hockey, I think you can get away with it. Depends defense, on associated Defenseman, damage. if you have to backpedal, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I know of cases of hockey guys. Heinz Ward, I, I don't know what that would that's all about yeah that's, i, was I, say, was I in, think that yeah. takes more uh more research on my part that might be an article out of that because yeah. i can't imagine that he played the whole career without an acl he said he learned out learned at the combine and it was a, a bike accident as a kid that they told him he didn't have an acl after that i had a bike accident before and i <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i mean it's just we know what an acl does and, and just because you can do it once doesn't mean you can do it twice since you don't like analogies i say this to, to people all the time Another way to look at it is there's four main ligaments in your knee, like four legs on a bar stool. Mm-hmm. If one of the legs on the bar stool is off, short, broken, something, eh, the bar stool wobbles, but you can still sit on it, and sit at the counter, but don't stand on it to change a light bulb. Right. Right. I mean, <laughs> that's the analogy. All right. What else we got? Uh, Beast of the Week. Uh, Taylor had a good one. Uh, Dodgers announced they re-signed Andrew Tolles. Uh, hadn't played in the league since 2018, but uh, reportedly missed spring training in 2019. It was diagnosed with bipolar and schizophrenia after, so they're re-signing him now with the intention of him hitting the field, but so that they can cover his medical bills. There's been videos that. of him like uh, Delonte West from the NBA, where he's just walking around like you know, looked like he was homeless or not having any attention towards him. So it's good that the Dodgers yeah, are doing this. You know, we've come a long way. I still remember. I don't know how many years ago, Alonzo Spellman, Ohio State D lineman mm-hmm. with the Bears, was fined for not wanting to have surgery, which you can't find a guy for doing that. And then he was found wandering around Chicago bare feet along the highway or something like that. And this mental health issue is real. I, I applaud the Dodgers for doing this. This is great. 
mental health issues coming more to the forefront. Winter in Chicago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah winter in Chicago. Yeah. Winter yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. But in any case, good on the Dodgers. You know, we talked about with Mike Silver, the owners getting grilled for stuff. I wish we'd be a little less negative. Remember uh, 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 who's uh, Devin Still and his daughter? Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the Bengals player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Bengals kept him yeah. on for longer for yes, insurance absolutely. reasons. Yep. Right. Uh, the Texans, who kind of get a bad rap, kept uh, one of the Quisenberry brothers. I forget which David one. David or Scott, one of those. There's three of them. <laughs> oh, there's three. Oh, so. There's three of them. All righty. That's good. I got to reevaluate. There's three of them. Uh, I, I get them confused, too. I, I should say this, but uh, small world. Their dad actually was at the communion yesterday. Uh-huh. David Quisenberry, non Hodgkins, yeah. 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 He was at the what? At the communion. Party. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Pop up Quisenberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Any, whatever. Um, <laughs> there's three there's three boys that have played some in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So David Jr. Yeah, the Texans kept him on for a couple of years mm-hmm. yeah. when he wasn't playing for insurance reasons. So good on them. And I think we should pause publicize that as much as Sometimes teams get grief for charging players for dinner or lunch or whatever. Right. <laughs> Paul, Paul, Scott, and David. See, there's three. Yeah, there's three. Yep. Yeah, they see. all played. Yep. Which one's with Buffalo? Buffalo is um, David. Yeah, David. Oh, David's the one that came from there to Buffalo. Scott, okay. Scott's actually went to the Texans after his his brother was already there. And then Paul, he has a Patriots jersey on his picture, but I'm not sure. I don't think Paul's in the league right yeah, now. Yeah, he's not. He was a tight end. He was a different position than the other two as well. So there you go. That's pretty good. Oh, Three, I'm seeing La Jolla here. That's why you saw big, them. They're very, they're, they're close. The Quisenberries are close. I see that. Oh, no. <laughs> Says La Jolla, so I know La Jolla. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, thanks again to Mike Silver. Thanks, you guys. Uh, let's see. More basketball. Baseball season's here. Tatis is coming back. Joe Musgrove's around the corner. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, lots to talk about. Hopefully we won't have another NFL Sunday for NBA. Um, and uh, thanks for watching. Hit subscribe for YouTube or uh, the podcast at Apple or wherever you listen. And check out Sick Insights. It's Quick Twitch, the only place for injury immediate, including in-game analysis as opposed to reporting. And, you know, I've done some basketball before, but we've got John Heffern for the Bulls on board and others. Uh, amalgamated opinions for some of these injuries from – what I like to say, and you guys hate this, I know, from doctors who, quote, were in the room when it happened, uh, NFL, Hamilton, NBA. Yep. Yep, your Hamilton yeah. thing. Have you seen Hamilton? Still need to. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. You've seen it? Just not with, not with uh, Miranda. I oh, you know it. what? Yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Hamilton's on Disney+. Plus. This it is, is what I think it, it is. is. Yep. The other day, my son was watching Padres, and they were getting beaten. I was like, oh, I'm bored here. And yeah. my little one went into downstairs in another room, and she was playing with her toys, and I went and kind of joined her downstairs because I was bored with the Padres. And I was like, oh, I've been wanting to watch this. Uh, and you're going to say, who? Uh, Bono in the Edge? I know Bono a little bit. Who's <laughs> the Edge? Bit. I don't know. What, the edge. what group are they with? It sounds like a wrestler, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You too? There you go. I know Bono's you too. Oh, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> I happen okay, different era. I happen to like you too. You're allowed to, yeah. That's fine. So I want to see Bono and the Edge, and the, it was a special narrated by D- 
David Letterman. And you're going to say, who's David Letterman? Oh, I got oh, that. Oh, no, we on. know David uh, Letterman. Yeah. In college, more, I used more to... more comedy than music, so... I used to watch David <laughs> Letterman. They have a degree much. of where he was at college at for everybody that gets C pluses because that's what he got at school. And it's for, like, uh, whatever... Scholarship. Media, whatever. What yeah. school? Ball State. Yeah, that's right. Wow. What, what state is it in? Indiana. Yeah, shoot, you're on it. <laughs> Take me to a trivia. Let's go, La Jolla okay. Trivia Bar. <laughs> so, anyways... Um, very proud of myself mm-hmm. without any instruction help from the kids or wife i turned on disney plus and actually watched bono in the edge wow you did all that yourself wow what when the daughter's playing then she fell asleep in my lap and i watched <laughs> the rest of it uh no excuses this season, you, you and me have taken 10 minutes to put amazon prime on your tv for so this I, is like a huge step in the huge yeah, I, yeah, I hate to tell you youtube tv is going to be a nightmare for you so oh we have the new new football stuff uh, <laughs> now we'll have to figure that you'll have to figure that out all right enough banter here thanks for watching and uh we'll see you next week